Hey, what's up? So, Avalanche. Let's talk about it. What's, what's an avalanche? The snow comes down real fast, fierce, gains momentum. But I'm not talking about the natural disaster. Or if it's not really a disaster, I guess, if no one's around. But anyways, avalanche. What is it? You've heard about it. Now you're going to hear some more. It's an open source platform for launching decentralized finance applications, right? DeFi. That's what you want. Developers who build on Avalanche can easily create powerful, reliable, secure applications and custom blockchain networks with complex rule sets or build an existing private or public subnet. Right. I think what you should do right now is stop what you're doing. Even if it's listening to this podcast, stop, pull over, go to the gas station if you need to go to a subway. There's a subway like everywhere. There's always a subway. All right. Right, there's always a Kroger. Just stop in a parking lot somewhere. Go to avalabs.org to learn more. All right, stop. Go to avalabs. That's A V A Labs, L A B S.org. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's a Bitcoin Podcast. everybody welcome to the bitcoin podcast uh i'm the host that talks first d i'm another host dr cory petty <laughs> oh, i'm a I'm the third one jesse bro there we go jesse the man broke um, we got all three of us how about that look at us go yeah i know the stars have aligned and we're all here um so i want to talk about how jesse's a hater all right, that's gonna be the very first. <laughs> that's the first topic, huh? Just going straight into it. All right, cool. Topic for a hater of what? A hater of I. I got all excited this weekend because I finally fucking figured out Uniswap, <laughs> which I didn't know I was two years late on until JT, yeah, I, I, JT's like, "What's up with all you guys, bro? I've been on the Uniswap shit before; it was cool." And I was like, "Damn!" But it's only been so, out for like a year. Uniswap's been out for a while. Nevertheless. I used it. And one, I feel like the space is moving incredibly fast. Like I didn't know in my Coinbase wallet, it was a web browser. It was a web three browser. So I found that out. So that was the first, oh shit, I can just Coinbase wallet has a, has a DAP browser. Yeah. And the, it's there. And so then opening, I go there. I'm opening. <laughs> Say goodbye to the Bitcoin podcast funds. <laughs> Throw them all in there. Let's get real. You swap. Is now trading on Coinbase. Yeah, and so um, I was like, "Where's this DApp browser you're talking about?" It's not in the Coinbase app. It's in the Coinbase app called Coinbase Wallet. 
It's a special app. It's a special wallet just for ERC20. They shit. bought Trust Wallet. Or I think it's uh, Trust, right? They rebranded I, I still, it. I still have Trust Wallet on here. Just your status, bro. So, Rude. well, you can go to uniswap.exchange on status? Yes. That's what status is. See, there's just so many things I don't know. And so anyways, so I'm like, Jesse, I fucking, I fucking did it, bro. And he's like, what'd you do? I was like, I put, I put like 2,500 ETH down, big rolling, you know, deep pockets, gold chains into, I think I bought some liquidity or I added some liquidity, right? To a pool. You added liquidity to to a a pool. pool. Okay. Yeah. And then like four days later, I check it and I'd made like $4 and I was like, whoa, I'm making like a dollar a day. This shit's bananas. Right. And so. See, he's a he's got a hater laugh. <laughs> you hear the hater laugh, and so I'm like, "Well, it's crazy." Money's like it was sitting there, not doing much, and now it's sitting there and getting both market value and interest paid. Like that's a win-win. And Jesse was like, "No, it's not. It's whack shit. That's whack." And so that's not what that's not how Jesse talks. You guys, that's just what I hear in my head. But basically, uh, Jesse, why are you hating on the future? I'm not hating on the future. I'm hating on your timing and what you're your microphone. throwing what are you money doing? at. I'm, I'm hating at the, the timing, the timing of execution and what you're throwing money at. So, okay. What, first off, what was, what was your, what was the impetus D before we get into why <laughs> Jesse's making fun of you? What was your impetus for like starting to mess with Uniswap? And uh, I guess, fuck around with like quote-unquote DeFi. What, 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 what were you trying to do i needed to know it bro i need to get some experience I, I i mean i feel like i got all my bitcoin experience bitcoin isn't doing shit so it's easy <laughs> you buy it and it sits there and that's about it i loved evan's <laughs> description it's your pet rock it's my favorite crypto pet rock it does no things it's like you look at it it's like oh okay cool and so Bitcoin's kind of boring. And then Ether was like way not boring, but it got out of control. Just got out of control. But then I look at this DeFi stuff and I'm like, wait a second, this kind of looks quasi-legit. Like you you add liquidity to a pool, like sprinkle some ether on that shit. It's like ether is the special ingredient. You add some liquidity to a pool, and then you get interest paid out because people are using like your liquidity to trade with. And How did you like learn about this? What was your what was your what was your your road? I mean, I guess you should be asking me these questions because I work in this space. Ninety percent like, guesstimation. I looked like, at what the was Uniswap your road of like exchange. figuring out. How did you even know to go to Uniswap just because JT said it? Well, here's the thing. Everybody, <laughs> like even my Facebook friends, were hitting me up. Like people I haven't spoken to in like years who got into crypto, unbeknownst to me, are hitting me up on Facebook Messenger. And they're like, yo, did you get in on that uni drop? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know about this uni life? And I'm like, no. What is it? I'm like, man, I just got 400 uni just for, for existing. And I was like, what is this? And so then they sent me a link. And I went to uniswap.exchange. And I was like, what is this? And then I remember all the conversations I had with Mackie. And all everyone talking about like, oh, this is a decentralized exchange, I think. This is like shapeshift's worst enemy. And I was like, okay. So then I started digging into it and I figured it out. Like you add money to a pool, you get these liquidity tokens, you take the liquidity tokens and you put those into uni 
and then money pours out. And that's how I feel about <laughs> it right now. <laughs> okay, so uh, audience, for those that don't know, uh, as D correctly said, Uniswap is a decentralized exchange built on top of Ether, uh, Ethereum. And it's basically, it's liquidity is provided by the users who get who get a percentage of fees based on anyone who uses the liquidity they provide. Mm -hmm. uh, so like if you want a specific paired swap and you use that and that liquidity is there, the fees that you use go get paid out to those who are providing that liquidity. And there's a whole bunch of smart contracts that have been very well vetted and audited that uh, make this happen on Ethereum. Now, uh, based on the kind of, ridiculous bullshit that happened over the past few months in terms of DeFi tokens and people who were uh, forking the Uniswap pro pro project and then adding a governance token to this thing. Um, uh, Uniswap has basically reneged on their initial thought process and decided to release uh, a governance token called Uni, UNI, um, that's attached to their project in order to keep their things going. and. Uh, I guess, give people a say in, in how Uniswap moves forward. Now, how they did this was they basically airdropped Uni to anyone who's ever used Uniswap before. So if you, ha so if you have, today's your lucky day. Go find that wallet, go to Uniswap, and claim your tokens because it's about $1,500 right now. I got some, bro, just for just dipping yeah. my toes. Yeah. Which is which is amazing. So like, imagine like the IPO of a company is basically distributing their 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 shares to anyone who ever used the company before. That's what happened here. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's new. Now, that's new shit right there. That's no, now. Let's be real here. A good portion of it went to the original VCs too. So there there's like a sixteen Z standing on a lot of uni. And then that during that process, now that we have like a governance token and what everybody wanted, like. Everyone's just dumped liquidity into into this stuff. Like, it's like something like 1.6 billion in two days on like a Uniswap liquidity or something like that. Something stupid. Yeah, they did 14 billion dollars in volume. That's so, stupid, Wordex. Goodbye, Shapeshift. As I wear a Shapeshift T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's. I don't. I mean, all right. So one, I'm gonna go back to my original premise. Jesse is a hater. Two, I'm. Gonna <laughs> I think this shit's kind of awesome. Like it, it's. I feel like the not one to one, but the translations from an incumbent financial system to whatever the fuck crypto is trying to do is starting to mold a little bit more clearly. Like you've got these make like you've got DAO, MakerDAO, and Compound, and these things, and the interest is so little. It essentially behaves like a central bank. Those three entities together are essentially behaving like the central bank to control like the inflation and deflation of all these, this crazy other shit that's just stacked up on top of it. To me, that's kind of cool. And I see like, oh, this is a glimmer of that new, that new hotness. And like, I can say things like, well, you know, is that like, can you open a web three website with that? And people will be like, what is that? And I'm like, well, you gotta have this kind of app to go there. If you, if you're trying to go on Google Chrome, ain't gonna work, buddy. Ain't gonna work. You need you need this. You need to get into that crypto shit to be a part of this. It feels like uh, you know, it feels a little bit different than how irrational it felt in 2017. That's what there's I'm still thinking. a rationality, but 
there's still a lot of rationality. Like, look, if you look at like oh, yeah. <laughs> the ridiculousness that happened over the past few months on Ethereum and why the gas prices are so high, um, that was all irrationality for the most part. And it was irrationality based on a limited number of people. So it wasn't very inclusive either. Um, and, and then as a response to try and keep like the legitimate project has had to add a governance token, which has, which adds a tremendous amount of security and complexity, security issues and complexity issues. They've then just like taken the mantle on keeping exchange fees so high. And so still on Ethereum, a lot of use cases are out the window and everyone's having an exodus to like side chains of Ethereum and scrambling to get to layer two, layer two solutions. So like, it's still a shit show. It's just more legitimate. Like it's actually based on use and not based on like scams, which I think is a, a plus one, but we still have a lot of room to go. Okay. And like, I don't know, automated or, or community driven management of funds or a fund of funds, which is what a lot of these tokens are, is a really cool concept. And that's enabled by smart contracts on Ethereum or whoever else ends up doing this in the future. But uh, like it's, it's, it's complicated and how you manage it. Like I'm, I'm kind of worried sometimes when I see a lot of this stuff, cause I spend most of my time in like base layer infrastructure and not these projects that um, are building like smart contracts is like, are we just remaking ultra complexity for rich people to get more rich? Like are, are people who, um, would never have had access to this type of stuff in the past actually use it because are they ever able to get the education to use it appropriately? Dude, I told you, I've been telling you this for three years. We're making the last boss of, of, uh, what, what, what is my saying? Damn it. You I should work on your sayings is what you should do. What do I say? <laughs> the last boss of, uh, finance. Uh, no centralized infrastructure, uh, centralized banks, centralized infrastructure, banks. Like we thought we were ruling out those things, but all we're really doing is making the last possible. Well, we're making Does tools, it, right? We're making tools, and in the process, you're you're enabling those people who you're trying to, I don't know, quote unquote, defeat or obsolete or whatever. You're giving them those tools too, and they're going to keep doing it. And if it if yeah. it gives them more leverage, why wouldn't they fucking use it? Look at look at China. They're going to use it. Like China, China is literally repurposing a lot of the technology we've been building over the years for like permissionless innovation and inclusion for the, for the financial ecosystem and using it as like ultra surveillance with the, with the cryptocurrency they're implementing. Mm, and they're making mm, it mm, mandatory. Mm, ain't that a motherfucker right there? Yeah, BSN is going to be the, the central hub that they have zero transaction fees, but everybody connects to them and then that hub connects to all the other sidechain projects thanks for your data yep it's going to be a centralized service that they have no choice but to go through get up in your mic homie try to lean oh. back on it's like they you have a podcast no before for chinese people <laughs> they're not going to have a choice but to go through the centralized bsn servers and then bsn is going to connect them they're going to route their connections to the sidechains so they're going to, like what Corey's saying, they're going to have all of your information. They're going to know everything you do they're online. They're going to censor the shit out of you, too. Yeah. yeah. It's like the last, like, all we're doing is creating the last boss. Like, does Anderson Howard need billions and billions of more dollars that he got overnight with that Uniswap airdrop? I don't think he does. I mean, but, kudos to them for, not? like, 
that, that was a good that was a good investment for those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, eighty three percent, right, is the number in the That's article. What, so there's some conversation happening in the Price Talk channel of the Slack. I think it was Price Talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. and Joe uh, Joe had calculated eighty three percent of the distribution went to a sixteen Z, which is a lot of money. Yeah, so like, why would you even play with it right now? Oh well, yeah, I mean. I just wanted to learn and I got right now I'm fucking making a dollar a day, baby. So it's still like, I mean, okay, let's, let's all, let's, let's, let's throw all that nonsense away. Right. Like there's, there's, there's fuckery yeah. afoot inside the ecosystem. It's not <laughs> there as inclusive. There is fuckery afoot. <laughs> it's not as inclusive as we potentially like it to be. But if we look at the traditional system, right. A dollar a day, bad for 2,500 bucks. Dollar where are you, day gonna, where are you gonna get those returns? Where are you gonna get those returns elsewhere? Definitely staked not at a bank. What? A staked POS. Okay. For the ease of use of you just saying, I have money that's sitting. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? I mean, arguably, and this is something that you tar- argued uh, broke, is you can trade. You can trade on these ridiculous swings that the people who are making this liquidity are making it safer for them to do that type of stuff. But like, that takes a lot of attention. See, I just got a bunch of money. And it sits, and I don't have the attention to pay. I don't have the attention to pay to it. Throw it in one of these things. It make, makes passive money as opposed to anything you can get traditionally, like your bank or even a credit union. It's all garbage. And then your underlying asset grows in value too. That's the coolest I'm not, part. I'm I love. not disagreeing with uh, with like APY yield projects. What I'm disagreeing with is this project in particular. Uni. Because of the unicorn, it's because of the unicorn. Not, not, unicorn. not, not uni. I guess the ownership of who who owns uni. Like, for example, uh, the project that I like, right? Which we won't we won't talk about the name, right? Tron. No, but okay. even Tron's another one of them, right? Tron. If you stake Tron, Tron gets burned every transaction. We can talk and about it. it. This, a, this is not. This is not a. This is an equal opportunity offender. So, so what I'm getting at is there's a lot of POS chains out there that they have mechanisms to increase the value by decreasing supply. And it's the same process of yield farming. And you're probably going to get on average, probably around the same uh, yields. Like on paper, it says like a hundred over a hundred percent APY, but like you're only going to get, I don't know, a fraction of that. Why? I don't, do you think that uni token is going to be what like I guess do you see do you see the value of uni token going up or down? What's what's your time frame? Because this is all okay. about time frame. I don't know about the uni token. That's hard to say because I'm not exactly sure about the um, use cases of what uni is for currently, right. other than being a governance token, but I don't as as a project and critical almost almost critical infrastructure for a lot of projects within the ethereum ecosystem i seeing mm-hmm. i'm seeing uniswap as being the central player um for providing liquidity of people uh moving from one token to another automatically within projects and they're going to continue to be that way especially for layer twos and f2 and all these things and so when like like for instance uh status is going to be moving to a layer two at some point to provide a lot of like features that we need that like require um, ultra low cost and ultra 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 fast transactions. That has to be a layer two. It's never happening on layer one. 
Uh, yeah, also, something that's that's mandatory for us, or like um, a goal that we have always strived for, is that when when you do anything in status, you don't need to have multiple tokens. It's always been a pain point for you to like buy a username and rec- like you need both S and T and F in order to do that. Like it's yeah. like the onboarding experience is terrible doing something like that. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to do that, and so like it's it's in- incredibly important to us from like a, a user experience perspective that anything you do in status is paid with status. In order to do that, you need things like a decentralized exchange to automate that process, and that's going to happen when we move to layer twos, amongst others. And so like it's just automatically switched at the current market price. And we can't rely on third parties in order to do that. And the only thing you can like get good market price discovery with and have liquidity mm-hmm. is something like Uniswap. So uh, let me let me pose this argument. So Uniswap is based on gas fees, right? Currently. What do you mean by based on gas fees? So when I make a swap from ETH to BTC or whatever, using Uniswap or whatever, I'm paying the transaction fees the, the gas transaction fees, right? You have to because it's, you're, you're, you're calling smart contract functions. There's a certain amount of computation that happens. Absolutely. And based on that, you pay, you pay fees. Right. So so I I would argue that gas fees are only going to go up from here on out. That depends. That's that's a that's a subtle and nuanced argument. More off, more than likely, those fees are going to drastically drop um, once we have a solid layer two and... Okay, but that's not what we have right now. So like right now, so what I'm saying is like trading. So my mindset is like, if you're going to make money in crypto, right, you're going to go in and out of the markets and you're going to trade within like a certain fixed time, time scale, whether it's an hour, whether it's 24 hours, whether it's a week, you're swing trading crypto. You're not investing for the long haul because you don't know what future these projects hold. Like you don't know if ETH 2.0 staking it is going to be like, if there's going to be problems with slashing. And you don't know if, like, right, what I'm saying is trade on what you know, what the current dynamics of everything, how everything interacts with are right now. And so, so you, you bet, like, is gas fee, it, are the gas fees going to go up in the short term pre 2.0? Yeah. I would, I would argue, yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree so, with that. So I would, I would argue that Uniswap in the short term, again, because we're only talking about trading in the short term. I would argue that Uniswap is not viable just because it's simply based on using smart contracts and Ethereum. Now, if if you look at one inch, right, one inch is similar, right, to Uniswap, but they have their own um, fee token, like the Chi or Chi or whatever that token is. It cuts costs by, I believe, twenty percent. It is still not good enough, though. So you want to find some project that's like Uniswap that uses. That has some sort of like smart contracts, but it, the cost is like nothing, negligible, because that's the project that's going to be adopted. I think by they everybody. call that CDFI. <laughs> it's like it's like it's it's going to be yeah. it's going to be decentralized finance on centralized platforms, and yes, in the in the in the short that, term, yes, yes, I agree which with is that. which is like a weird step in the right direction, but still not quite yeah. there. So, like one of the projects that I like, Algorand, right? I've seen a lot of DEXs starting to use Algorand as their settlement layer. That's their that's their L1 because they can't do it on ETH or they can't do it on all these other projects where the where the transactions per second is like, you know, less than 10. So, mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to use speaking yeah. of announcements, I guess. 
and that's relevant to this conversation and something that I'm quite excited about uh, seeing like potentially entering the field and becoming a real player in this is Avalanche. 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 They're launching their main net this week. Today. Today they launched their main net. Well, they're supposed to. Oh, yeah. They're supposed to. I don't know if they actually did. I haven't been following. I've been doing other stuff. Let's see. Avalanche is about to get real sweaty. It was supposed to launch at 5.30 p.m. today, but it didn't. I've been looking because I've been wanting to flip it. (laughs) (laughs) You're so short term. I mean, like, uh, yeah. Why are you so short term? There are long time decisions that can be made. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if you have the, the attention to give it, the gains are there. Like and I think that's I think games. that's why a lot of times we disagree because when you're looking in crypto, you're looking at like you're basically looking to trade it. As yeah. where I'm looking at an investment or a long term investment. And I I've don't got disagree a five, with that. 10, 20 year window I'm looking at things with. And so yeah. like, yeah, you can make a lot of money really quick flipping flipping and gripping, like, yeah. I mean, you could listen to this fucking Houston rap all day and flip about 15, 20 stacks. Like you could do that. Probably pretty quick and easy, but that's true. You can also DCA that you can DCA that back in, so you can take both approaches: do a long-term investing approach, but then do short-term scalping and like you know volatility trades. Nine like that would be the Eastern. best. One seems stressful. One seems not stressful. So I this agree. Goes out. One lets you focus on your life and your actual primary source of income, and the other one is like requires a lot of time, like at least three hours to set up trades, three, four hours. Mm. What are you looking looking to launch today? I'm looking to see when they're planning on launching. So they're still trying to launch. Mm. It's still planned on for data though. We, uh, any information I can find. Let's cut to the interview. So we can do a little jib jab when we get back. So, uh, this week's uh, interview, let me see who we interviewed first. Um, this is the show is produced pristinely. <laughs> this week's interview uh, was Juice Jager. Did I say that right? Juice Jager. Juice Jager. Most popular for the Jager bomb. And he is with Lightning Labs. Yeah, he's a senior uh, developer for Lightning. Oh, I'm really upset I missed this one. I wanted to be a part of it. Is he upset that Ether's eating his lunch? Because more people yeah, are not. fucking with... No, no, no. no. He, he Lightning's really still going strong. Lightning's, Lightning's a yeah. really cool technology. Like, it's it's like I really like Lightning. It's just a matter of, like, it's not where the money is right now. So if it's not where the money is, that's not where the attention is. He's also well, talking about how they have, like, a lot of... Uh, a lot of holes to fill in terms of uh, where your money can go in and then like your money can't come out sometimes because the other person. Yeah. So they're trying to, they're, they're fixing stuff like that. (laughs) That's real bad. That's probably the same exact feeling except 10,000 words. Like if you, when you go to a vending machine, you're like, I've been looking at them funions all day. You put your dollar in and then the funions don't work and you can't get your dollar back. Yeah. You're like, Like, what? And you're probably not going to, you're not going to go to the front office and say like, "Hey, the vending machine ate my dollar." You're just going to chalk it up as a loss because you're like, "Well, oh. no." What you can do now is you can put in another dollar and then 
because the other, you know, say the other endpoint, like say they, they pull <laughs> yeah. out. So the equivalent they, of keep rotating the thing to yeah, get yeah, more seriously, stuff out. Seriously, that's exactly <laughs> what's happening. You put in another dollar, you put in more money, and the thing rotates one more time, and hopefully you get two of your snacks. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully one doesn't come out, and then the second one's still stuck, and then you got to put in another dollar to see if it comes out again. But Fuck. it's like that right now, apparently. It's the vending machine problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic. It's the technical right. term for what's going on. Here's, here's Mr. Juice, Juiced Jaeger, not a character from 1985's movie The Predator. Uh, here it is. Hello, uh, the Bitcoin podcast audience. Uh, this is Alicia in the produce, as the producer to do the little intro here. Uh, you have Jesse soloing it, uh, the broke man, as D likes to call him. And we are here with uh, Juice, who Jaeger, who is the Lightning software engineer, Lightning Lab software engineer, and he's going to talk about the Lightning Network with us. Um, Jesse, you want to take it from here? Yeah, thanks, Juice, for being with us. Um, so, I, I honestly, uh, I'm I'm pretty new to uh, Lightning Network. I've been part of, I mean, I, I've been following Bitcoin for a few years now probably since 2015. Um, it kind of popped up on my radar back when I was uh, playing video games uh, much younger in, in grad school. And um, so I, I, I host one of the other shows, uh, What the Header, and we're typically doing like uh, kind of deeper dives on um, different uh, protocols. Bitcoin was the first one we went through and uh, we're going through Ethereum right now. But uh, could you tell me like a little bit about like lightning and what kind of what it is and uh, what you do for it. Yeah, sure. Um, so lightning, it's actually like it is a it is a solution for problems that were existing with the Bitcoin blockchain or has existed ever forever and still exist. So uh, the main thing there is the scalability because the blockchain it is a it's like a decentralized database and storing every transaction in the world in the centralized database is not going to work if people are going to use it to buy, to buy their coffees every day. So the idea of the, the goal of Lightning is to, to provide an, a layer on top of that to take away that uh, main problem and make it faster and, and cheaper as well. So that's, that, that's the goal of it. And the way uh, it works is that um, you are able to make transactions with each other without touching the chain, really. So you can uh, normally, if you make a transaction, you post this transaction to the chain, it gets mined and then it's final. Mm -hmm. um, and with Lightning, it is possible to uh, make the same, the exact same transaction, but you don't post it to the blockchain yet. So in case uh, we would we would do this together, and I would make you a payment, and then you would pay would make you would make me a payment. Um, those two transactions that are created. They are not going to the chain yet. We we are going. We, we can keep transacting between each other as long as we want, and only when one of us thinks, "Okay, um, I'm I'm uh, done with this arrangement," I can take the last version of this transaction and then post it. So basically, we keep track of chain of what the balance is between us, and only when we want to settle, we go to the chain. And uh, the very smart thing about Lightning is that there is a mechanism that prevents you from publishing. Uh, a transaction that's not the latest one because that's the risk that you're getting like if i give you five dollars and you give me two 
Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you publish the, not the last, but the second last transaction in which you had five. Uh, and that will confirm I won't have received the two. And in Lightning, there's a, there's a mechanism built in that, um, yeah, that prevents you from doing this by, um, uh, uh, by, there's a penalty mechanism for that. So if you would not play fair, you would have to pay the penalty. Oh, interesting. Okay. Could you tell me a little bit about like the update? I, I heard that there's like an update in something about Wumbo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the thing with lightning was that, um, there was a, a, a limit to the maximum channel size. So you know what uh, lightning channels are, I guess I'm not uh, sure. No, could you explain it to me? Like I, I don't maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So channels is uh, the thing that I was just explaining, like if we two are transacting together, this is called that we are having a channel. And okay. these channels, they had uh, like a, a, a limit, like a, a maximum amount that could be stored in the channel. This was a safety mechanism to prevent like bugs from becoming very costly. So in, in the early days, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the lighting developers wanted to protect their users against accidental mistakes or, or bugs by limiting the maximum capacity of a channel to 0.16 BTC. Oh, okay. um, yeah, and uh, this this cap has been lifted in the uh, .11 release of L&D. Oh, okay. Now, I, I vaguely remember um, Lightning was part of, was it part of like the SegWit update to Bitcoin that allowed Lightning to happen? Uh, yes, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't go that far back, so I'm not exactly sure how that worked, but I, I, I do believe that SegWit was needed for Lightning to work. Okay. And, and so like the idea of lightning, I remember in the beginning was that you, you, you put up like you, you're essentially like kind of like staking the 0.16 Bitcoin to be available for that channel for the users. And it was, it, so is it only between those two addresses that you can send? Yeah. Them? Yeah. So the thing is, so the, in, in, the basic thing is that it's just between two people. So just between you and me, let's say, uh, okay. but the network part of it is, is that you can actually take money in through one channel and push it out through another channel. So you can act as a, as a routing node, so-called routing node. And um, your, your channel is, is not only useful for transactions with your direct channel peer, but also to forward transactions for other people on the network. So that's, that's the interesting thing. If, if you have like a, a set of channels and other nodes also have sets of channels, then a sender of a payment can look at all these connections and decide which route they want their payment to go through. Interesting. And then, and then at each hop, uh, a small fee is, uh, is dropped off basically. So you start out with, let's say, $10, and then $1 cents is, is getting dropped off at every hop until it reaches the uh, recipient. Are so there, this is, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, continue. So, so this is the incentive to actually do this, to, to open channels uh, and serve the network, like these routing fees that you earn. I see. Are there any, are there any limitations to, like, I guess, I guess I don't really know the, the, minimum specs for like a lightning node, like what contributes to them being able to validate the transaction and kind of propagate it uh, and, and kind of verify it to be like true? Um, well, you only need to verify the transactions with your channel pair, basically. Okay. Um, so if you're forward, forwarding traffic, it doesn't really matter where it comes from, where it goes to. You just need to make sure that you keep managing your own channels with your direct peers correctly. And this involves also uh, a lot of watching of the blockchain because if one of your peers uh, tries to um, try, tries to um, how do you call this 
steal your money, basically. They will post an outdated transaction and you need to keep watching the chain to see if this actually happens. And if it happens, you need to um, send another transaction called the justice transaction, which allows you to claim the penalty for foul play, basically. Oh, okay. uh, but, but you don't need to verify any, uh, uh, like the, the, the lightning payment itself that can uh, con consist of up to at the moment 26 hops. I think you don't need to verify all of that. It's just, you need to know, I receive $1, I send out 99 cents. That's the only thing that you need to verify. And, and the other hops are not, not relevant from your perspective. Interesting. Okay. Now, I heard that there is similar technology for like Ethereum, like Plasma. Um, I guess, what, what do you see? What do you see as being like the limitations of lightning functioning as part of like everybody, like for, for what, what is, what is the incentive, I guess, in the long run for lightning to be adopted by everybody um, versus everybody to just go off chain and use, I don't know, alternative methods. So you mean uh, like plasma, what you mentioned, mentioned like so, out of, I like I don't know if you uh, were paying attention on the last drop. So, uh, like, so there are problems with Ethereum. So, um, some of those problems include the high gas fees that are associated with everybody clogging up the um, blockchain with DeFi transactions mm -hmm. lately. Um, now, I noticed that like some POS tokens, like Tron, were taking up a lot of the volume when everything was declining. Like it was getting a pretty significant pump. I don't know why. Oh, no, it's because uh, Tron released its own version of Uniswap and then started uh, dropping its own flavor of DeFi. Um, but I guess what I'm wondering is, so Lightning is specifically Bitcoin's solution so that Bitcoin can become more cash-like, like it was initially intended, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, it, it allows you to scale. Uh, like the scaling is not dependent on the number of transactions anymore. Because if we have this single channel, we can do 1 million transactions every minute and yeah. uh, th there, it wouldn't take any change space. So I think this is a very powerful thing about it. If you have like a mature lighting network and all the channels are in place that the world needs, you don't need to go to the chain anymore because everyone can make their, their transactions uh, off chain, basically. And those transactions, they kept being updated and uh, the chain kept being watched for um, uh, breaches, basically. But if those won't happen, uh, it is just like a, uh, it's like a security basically that everybody keeps playing fair, the blockchain, but the, the chain at space itself is no longer needed. This is like the, the, the very final state where it could uh, end up at, at the moment. This is not the case because people are opening and closing channels, etc. But uh, it's very important to understand that uh, if you have more transactions, you don't need more chain space. And this is and this is contrary to like an on-chain transaction where every transaction takes chain space. Mm -hmm. Where do you see where do you see the like the future of lightning adoption going? Like, do you think everybody is going to be able to like run a lightning node on like a Raspberry Pi or something? I'm not. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And it, uh, there's the option of uh, having your own Raspberry Pi run your node and maybe connect to that remotely with your with your phone if you need to pay when you're on the go. Um, there's also people that think that uh, there's a large set of use that will still use more custodial solutions that don't really own the coins, but they still transact over, over Lightning. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to say where this all is going. There are like multiple directions it can evolve in, but I think it's all very much connected to um, adoption of Bitcoin itself. Like yeah. if there's no 
if there's no use to paying with Bitcoin, if people stay happy with their fiat payments, um, you also don't need a lightning network. So this is all built on the assumption that uh, Bitcoin will grow as a, um, as, as a currency and uh, people will run into the limitations of Bitcoin. You run into it already. If you look at the current mempool, you can see the fees are pretty high. And uh, with Lightning, you have a way to escape from that. Interesting. What, in, what incentivizes you to do the work that you do for the Lightning uh, protocol? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's like, I find Bitcoin very interesting and uh, I, I see these problems that exist. So yeah, for me, it's, it's, I'm very motivated by um, contributing a little bit to uh, this becoming more usable for for normal people, basically, uh, because I think that's that's very much very much needed. Like if you have things like the mempool and you need to do a fee estimate, and, and maybe your transaction doesn't confirm if the fee is not high enough, you can't really explain this to 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 non-techy people. Like it's this is not your regular banking app. You can send and receive money. It's even on chain is already a little bit complicated, and if uh, and then you're not even talking about things like uh, it takes 10 minutes or longer before it's really final. And right. um, yeah, so yeah, that, that's maybe my main driver. Try to uh, take away issues that exist currently and make it as smooth as uh, you would a payment system expect to be. I'm trying to think about the questions that I had originally when Earlier in Bitcoin, I think the longer I stay in this space, the whole crypto space, the the more I acknowledge the fact that there are centralized systems in place in terms of organization or for Bitcoin, some somewhat the hash rate that comes uh, into it. Um, and I kind of pull away from like, honestly, the major projects to take a look at the, some of the smaller projects that are going on that solve some of these key issues like you're talking about that Lightning solves. So I know that back in the day, like um, Bitcoin had the idea of trying to do like atomic swaps as well in order to move some of the transactional throughput off chain besides uh, using, I, this was like before, I guess, Lightning was even beginning to develop um i guess do you do you like do you think lightning is the ultimate solution for bitcoin um there could be better ones but not that i'm aware of at the moment and also uh, it is the case that lightning has been developed on for somewhat like five years already like there has been so much death effort going go, gone into this already so uh whatever small project exists either it must be like uh, brilliant in a way that it can do the same thing or more and it's like a lot simpler or there is um yeah there's a lot of you need a lot of time to really catch up like where, where lightning is now I so see. yeah it would be great if there are simpler solutions because I, I wouldn't say that lightning is simple like the whole story with the channels but also managing those channels uh there are like thousands of corner cases that need to be dealt with um it's not simple but yeah, it seems to be the best shot that we have at the moment. So do you like, I guess, could you, could you explain like maybe some of how those corner cases could affect, like, let's, let's pretend we're in the future, right? Let's pretend we're in the future where, um, I don't know if the adoption of, uh, mom, for mom and pop shops, they use square, they'll use uh, circle pay, 
they'll use third-party um, uh, point-of-sale systems that are that give them a cheaper alternative than, like, say, Visa or other other uh, larger payment processors that take, you know, I guess more than three percent, and they'll go with the kind of up-and-coming um, kind of DIY. Uh, you you buy the scanning system for your card. So basically, let's pretend we're in the future, right? Where yeah. Bitcoin is at a point where Lightning can actually be part of that point of sale system. What are some um, what are some edge cases that that you you think might happen? Yeah, yeah. So just to be clear, if it's if it would be like more of a custodial point of sale solution, so there is a service provider that runs a Lightning node that manages everything for the merchant, then there would be no pain really on the side of the merchant because it, they, they would just get paid by this service provider. But I think this is not the goal because we want people to be to to own to own it themselves and not have like an intermediary there. Um, so once just the whole concept of of a channel that 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 is already difficult. Like uh, if you are a merchant, you need to receive money, so you need to have channels. But if you need to have if you want channels, you need to open them. You can open channels, but if you open a channel, the thing is that once it is opened, the balance within the channel is all. If, if I'm the initiator and I, I, I lock up money in a channel with you, initially the money is all on my side. So this means that I, can, I still cannot receive. So I need to do something in order to receive. I need to either find someone who can open a channel to me instead of me opening to someone else. Um, or I need to myself and then somehow push out the money and receive it in a different way back into my own, into my own wallet in order to be able to receive to receive money through my channels. And then uh, even if uh, the balance looks um, like I can receive uh, funds, it can still be that my peers are not properly connected to the network. So from my perspective, everything looks good, but my customers are still not able to reach me because the peers that I maybe even like bought channels from, uh, they are not reachable. So these are all things that like a regular shop, they don't want to think about this. How does it all works? Like the whole the whole word of the channel, you don't really want to hear it in the in the right. in the in the future. You just want to set down, put a box down. I yeah. think it's okay to have a box, plug it in, and then you want to start receiving. And uh, in that sense, like with on with with on chain, it's a little bit easier. But with 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 off chain, there are still there's a lot still to to really hide underneath the covers before uh, anyone will be able to to, to use this. How many more years do you think it'll take for Lightning to fully mature into a solution where you know all those wires essentially are tucked away? Yeah, yeah, it's it's that's also a good question. Like it definitely depends on like how much engineering effort is being pour, poured into it. Like at Lightning Labs, we have around about 20, 20 people working there. Uh, not all developers, there's also the business people. So it's it's relatively small team. And there's uh, two other or there are two other like bigger implementation and a few. Uh, smaller implementations. They also have dev teams that are, I think, somewhat smaller. So there's not a huge amount of um, um, like power available to, to to drive this development. But assuming that we would keep going in the same like at the same velocity, it it will be like at least several more years, I'd say, before uh, we can abstract away everything uh, that you need to be aware of at the moment if you use Lightning. I see. How big but is this the is team? A... Like, I guess, like, how uh, how big or small is the team that you're with? And like, I guess when you're saying you're moving 
kind of slow, I guess. Uh, you mean how many people we are developers? developers? Yeah, yeah but um, I'm not sure how many exactly. Maybe it's about six or seven uh, developers, I guess, around mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And there's uh, like Lightning Lab where I work. We've got our open source project, projects, L&D. It's the most uh, well-known. And there's also um, more commercial types of projects like, uh, like Loop. So uh, effort needs to be distributed among those projects as well. I see. Um, yeah, it's really busy. There's a lot to do. Yeah, there's still a lot to do. And I, I, the nice thing about it is that for Lightning, I don't see like a fundamental problem. I see a lot of work. Like there is a lot that needs to be automated, but I don't see a fundamental problem that you could see with uh, on changes. Actually, for example, it's very clear that uh, your block is only one megabyte, so you can right. only have so I can have only have so many transactions. So everybody can see that this is not going to scale. And right. with Lightning, um, I really like it that uh, I've been working on this full time for two years now. And to me, it still looks like this is going to work in the end. I see. Uh, it works already, but of course, uh, only for a select group of users, like people that are willing to to understand how it uh, how it all runs. So, right. And there is there is a little bit of a time cost in order to spin up a node, a Lightning node, and open a channel and figure out how that works. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and tools are being created. Also, more UIs uh, are, are are created to. Uh, make it easier. You don't need to only use the command line, but mm -hmm. uh, still, those decisions about uh, which channels to make—it's not—it's not so easy. Like you need to—you want to create a channel, but to which node are you going to create this? Um, you look on the internet a little bit. Maybe uh, there are some sites that do ranking of nodes. Uh, what is a good node? Like these are all questions that yeah, you're not really used to getting if you just want to receive. I just want to receive money, but it's not that easy. Yeah, or send money. Interesting. Well, um, I don't know how much time we have to interview you, but I don't know how, like, is it a, is it a long process to try and spin up a, a lightning node? Do you, do you think maybe we could, you could walk me through it? Right now, you mean? Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that's going to work. Like you need to have a Bitcoin node first. I'm not sure if you have wow. that already. I, I so it, it needs to sync with the blockchain, and uh, yeah, it's it's not. I'm all, I think it can it can be easy if you uh, use one of those package solutions. But I'm not really familiar with those myself. I know there are some solutions out there that package a few of those components together and make it easy to 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 run your node. Yeah, um, I see. So you 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 would need to download an unpruned version of the whole blockchain. Just yeah, to... at the moment. Yeah, at the moment you need to have an unpruned uh, chain, indeed. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I I remember took taking a look at Lightning and I was like, okay, like <laughs> that's it, it was very in its infancy years ago. So yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's also the Neutrino option. So this is more like a, that that could be that, that's better to use probably. Like Neutrino is a way to um, connect to a node of someone else uh, without revealing too much about the transactions that you're actually interested in. Um, so that that's the way to to run it without uh, without having a prune full node, by the way. So oh, okay. So Neutrino is like just a lightweight client that just provides yeah. lightning capability. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing. It, the client itself is not lighter weight than 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 like the the, the full. There's no difference between the only difference is that the backend is different. Either you connect to like a full uh, a full node backend that you're running yourself mostly, or you yeah. can connect to a node that someone else runs. 
and I then see. use this neutrino protocol to fetch the data that you're interested in. Ah, I see. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Is there a concept of, um, cause I know, I know everybody likes privacy. Um, is there a concept of privacy as it applies to lightning network transactions? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, so these, they, these transactions, they, um, well, transaction is a bit of a confusing word because, um, usually we use it for a on-chain transaction, but, uh, in lightning, let's say, let's call this a payment. So if you, if you make a payment to someone else and you go to, through several hops, um, it, it's, it, it uses onion encryption, which means that, uh, at every hop, a shell of the onion is peeled away. Basically, that's how you need to look at it. Okay. Um, and um, the node doesn't really know where the peeled onion came from, and it can only see the encrypted form of what's left of the onion, basically. So they can read their forwarding instructions. They can read the next node that they should send the package to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then only the next node is able to decode what they find in there. So as a routing node, you only know where you got the packet from and where you send it to, but you don't know what else was before or after. Uh, those two segments. Um, so this this provides you so, like this provides you a degree of privacy. Interesting. I of course, know. if, if you con- yeah, so of course, if you control all the nodes along the path, you can easily trace back into, right. to the sender. Uh, but this is assuming that that is not the case. So interesting. Hmm. Do you do you uh, do you know of anything that uh, maybe some questions that I may not be asking you that you think are particularly interesting aspects about lightning um yeah one one thing that uh, was also released in our dot uh, 11 release uh, that just dropped is um the ability to add custom data to your payment so uh, normally what what the lightning network it forwards a payment and uh, it, it, there's an amount and there's uh, a um, so-called time lock so this is the time that the receiver has uh, to actually settle the payment or cancel like a, a delta expressed in the number of blocks but it's also possible to add arbitrary data to that and uh, what you could do with this is um, to add let's say you have got a web shop and uh, how it usually works is you've got a web shop you look around what are the products you put the products in the shopping cart um, then in the database of the web shop an entry is made like th- these are the things that are collected in the shopping cart you enter your address where it needs to be needs to be dispatched to mm-hmm. and then uh, you uh, move on to the checkout page and you make your payment. Well, what you could do with Lightning is, is that you can you can look around on the website, you can decide what you want to have, but you're not going to fill your shopping cart and you're also not going to enter your shipping address. But you all embed this in the same packet that contains your, your very payment, basically. So you send one packet onto the network. It contains the money, but it also contains what you want to order and where you want to have it sent to. So um, this... The, the, the web shop, it, it gets the money, it gets the order, it gets the address, so it can fulfill the order. But um, it's very, um, yeah, it has very good privacy properties because they can't, there is no direct connection. There has never been a direct connection between you and the web shop. Interesting. Can so we, we, we ran an experiment with this. Uh, it is called the TLV shop. And uh, we, we use this uh, mechanism to allow people, anyone on the internet to order stickers. So what you would do is uh, the, the, the article, uh, the, the product was always the same, like three stickers. Um, and then uh, people could send their payment and add into the payment their address. And then we would like ship those stickers to those addresses 
uh, without anyone having made a direct TCP IP connection to, to us to place the order. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. We were also thinking it would, it would be nice if like hardware wallet vendors would also allow this. You know, the recent leak of uh, customer data uh, from, from Ledger. I don't know if you heard about this, but they there. Yeah, the customer database leaked, um, which is not cool if you if it's known that you are owner of a hardware wallet because you could be a potential like target. Um, so with this, it would be pretty nice. Like you you have you order your hardware wallet, you still have to let it deliver, of course, on a location that's not your home address. But there are no records, also no IP records of your um, of your order. That would be interesting. Interesting. It's uh, kind of need to check out Lightning now. I feel <laughs> <laughs> you guys have come a long way. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's 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 quite interesting. And um, yeah, you what you can do is you can you can spin up your node and uh, you can try to make payments. Like there are some places on the internet where you can spend money, also very small amounts, because that's another advantage. You can spend very very small amounts down to one thousandth of uh, Satoshi. Is okay. what you can pay. So, um, uh, because there's hardly any fees involved, it is also economically sensible to make these small payments. With uh, if you are going to occupy chain space, you don't want to send a one satoshi payment because your your fee will be like five hundred satoshi to send just the one just the one satoshi. With the lighting, that's possible. So if you run your own node, you can you can play with that, um, and you can also try to become a routing node by opening some channels and, uh, and this very interesting game really because you can open some channels to wherever you want. Uh, then you need to figure out how you can actually receive money. So you can use, there are several services out there that allow you to, uh, including one by Lightning Labs, that allow you to make a swap. So you, you push out money off chain and you receive it back on chain. So if you do that, you have a channel that you can receive over and then uh, you've got another channel you can send out through. And if you set your fees correctly, uh, senders will find your node as an interesting pathway to their destination and include it in their routes. So they will start dropping off money at, at your node because you're forwarding uh, their their payments. So, so like I get broadcast. How how does your how does your um, what did you call it? What kind of node was it? A lightning node? You mean no? Uh, I guess, I guess routing not. node. I said the routing node. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. So there's a yeah. So there's a peer-to-peer -peer network uh, that gossips around this kind of information. So if your node comes up, it will uh, announce its uh, existence to a P2P network. Uh, so senders uh, of, of payments, they will see ah now there's this node, and you can also announce the channels that you have, and you also announce the fees that you charge. So senders uh, add that to their local database, and uh, when they need to make a payment, they do a, an optimization, a path optimization, to find the, the best path to their destination, and, and, and your channels will be included in that. Interesting. Yeah. So it seems people are very much into like staking money and uh, earning free, more free money, basically. <laughs> Isn't that what DeFi is? Uh, so yeah, in a way, with Lightning, it's it's not the same thing, but in the end, what you do is you lock up money in a channel, which is which is still yours. And then, um, if you make the right channels and you charge the right fees, you will be able to collect um, like a, a, a return. Uh, are there any penalties for like opening and closing channels super quickly and like not? I guess I, I'm not really too sure about that. Yeah, yeah. So opening and closing a channel, those those actions are on chain transactions. 
so it needs to be paid for uh, with chain fees. Okay. So this is also something to think about. Like you, you, if you open 100 channels, uh, you, you do have a bill in, in chain fees. So this is the first thing that you need to, uh, uh, this money needs to be like recuperated through, through routing. So that also um, makes creation of bigger channels more attractive because uh, if, you're, if you're, your traffic isn't very balanced, so you open the channel and everything flows out in one direction and then yeah. it stops, um, then you will need to close your channel. And uh, so these are, you pay chain fees twice and it needs to be uh, covered by the routing fees that you have charged in the life of the channel. But ideally, if you position yourself in the right way within a network, you, you'll see uh, more balanced traffic meaning that not everything is flowing in one direction, but sometimes also flowing back. And if it flows back, it can also flow in the, in the initial direction again. So you can uh, make more use of your, of your channel there. Hmm. But it has to do also with the maturity of the network. At the moment, it seems that uh, I'm not sure about it because there's not much that you can be sure about because it's all pretty private. But it seems that there are people like users, they create channels and they spend money and there are nodes that receive money. Like these are... Uh, shops that that accept lightning payments but they can't really pay their suppliers with bitcoin they likely pay their suppliers with fiat so they only receive money uh, and it's, it's it's a sink basically so the the overall flow of money on the network is in is, is in one direction so that means that channels in general they tend to 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 deplete in one in one direction but of course like in the very in the, in the very future where the whole world's running, running on lightning there's no reason to basically offload funds from the lightning it can just stay inside there because uh, both customers and suppliers can be paid uh, or can transact with uh, with lightning yeah. so i i would think that uh, things get much more balanced if if you get to that stage yeah how i'm trying to visualize because like i in my mind i see the what you're explaining to me as, so when I open and close a, a lightning channel between myself and let's say you or myself and say uh, a coffee shop that I happen to go to. Now in the future, how, how do I avoid those costs, uh, the chain fees, the on-chain fees of, of opening so many channels between all the places that I... Ah, but you don't need, you don't need to because you have this, uh, you have the concept of a network. So basically you can open a single channel when you when you're born and just use that all, all your life because through that channel you can you can send out money through the node that you're connected to all of your life let's say like that but this node can forward through several hops to your the shop where you buy your coffee or any of the other shops so you can make use of the network you route your payment through the network and every route starts with that single channel that you that you have had all of your life interesting so i who would be my endpoint i guess like of my channel that i open yeah, well, that's a very good question. You want to open it to a good note because if you open it to a note that is not able to forward your payments, it's a useless channel. Right. So that's that, that, that's that's pretty difficult. Like there's like um, if you look at the, the space, there's some well-known notes. Like there's like uh, notes from exchanges, for example. Um, there's also people trying to make a list of uh, good notes. Lightning Labs also has uh, the so-called boss list named after Alex Bosworth, uh, who set up the, uh, the system first. Um, and it tries also to score notes uh, according to certain criteria. Uh, but yeah, this question, like if you're a completely new user, where should I open a channel to? That's, that's, that, that's difficult to answer, yeah. So it will, at this stage, we're probably a bit of trial and error. So you open to one of the bigger nodes yeah. and see if you can make your payments. Um, yeah. Are there, any, are there any people who you know? Because I, I remember like the people, what was it? Uh, 
it was like the Amazon, like the Amazon of Bitcoin. Like, who was who was that one company online that they accepted Bitcoin and they? Oh, sold wasn't them? wasn't oh, that Overstock? Yeah. Yeah. Did they did they at any one point accept uh, Lightning payments? I, I don't know. I don't remember that they did, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Is there any? Is there any like? Uh, are there any places like people can go if they're interested in just playing around to like buy stuff from? Uh, yeah, there's some directories. I can send you a link uh, of that after the, after the show. I don't I don't really know them. Uh, I, I don't have them ha handy here, but uh, there are some directories of people collecting like sites where you can spend with Lightning, and yeah. there's also these uh, sets back uh, things. So you can you buy with fiat, but then you get a discount uh, in, in sets over Lightning Network. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so you have those, and there's like the whole gift cards thing, like buying gift cards with uh, with Lightning. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, it's still relatively small. Like, uh, it would be nice if you have any of the like very big web shops that would accept Lightning payments. Amazon. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Amazon. That would be that would be pretty would be pretty cool. Uh, but also, at the moment, it's really pretty involved. Like to run a Lightning node that is like able to process those kinds of volumes. Like it's uh, that's that's pretty like complicated. I'd say like you have to open a lot of channels. Um, those channels, basically, your node is a hot wallet that contains all the funds. So you need to be very careful about security as well. That's already the case for some of the routing nodes on the network at the moment. You, you have to decide one ML. I don't know if you know this, but one ml.com it, it shows you like a list of nodes on the network. It's it's basically a visualization of this peer-to-peer -peer, uh, gossip network that we talked about earlier. And you can see like there's a one. I think the top node has like 90 BTC currently uh, committed to it. So that's a pretty that's that's a pretty like substantial amount to have yeah. to have in a hot to have in a hot wallet. So, yeah, I, I guess when you say it's like it's uh, I guess security wise, like how is it vulnerable? Like how can somebody steal your funds? Yeah, so there are different factors there. Uh, one thing is just that it is a hot wallet. Your private keys are on the box. So if someone gets access to the box in any way, like there are so many ways that people can access your box, then they are able to uh, find those private keys and, and, and take your money. So that's one that's one more traditional risk. But there are also uh, different risks like um, um, like certain edge cases in a Lightning network. So the, the thing is, you, you transact off-chain, so you're exchanging transactions all the time off-chain, but when you don't like the situation anyway, you go to the chain and you take the last transaction that you negotiated with your channel partner. But if, for example, this transaction doesn't have enough fee, let's say, you can post it, but it sits there in the mempool. And sometimes with Lightning, there are like hard deadlines that apply because after that deadline, uh, it's not certain anymore that you can get money that may be locked in an independent transaction that you can still get it back. So you need to make sure that your transaction confirms in time. Um, and uh, this is an update that we're also uh, working on at the moment that allows you to, even though the transaction was signed uh, previously and your channel partner may have disappeared, that you're still able to, to bump up the fee of the transaction because it is important to, to, to get it in in time. Uh, but at the moment, most of the channels, they don't, they don't have this facility yet. So you have to be careful there that you don't get into the situation, especially if the fee market goes up and you are under time pressure to get your channel closed. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's, risk, there's risk there. And then there's also um, the risk of not just your money being stolen, but just your money being lost because there are state that you need to keep on a, on a lightning node. 
Uh, and there's at the moment, there's also ways to, to back this up and to let your peer help with this. But um, if you lose state, it can be that you also can't recover your funds anymore with just the, uh, the, the main seed that you have. So there are, there, are, there are still things there, but this is all things that are being, uh, has, have improved already quite, quite a lot and we still keep on improving. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, I still have a lot of work to be done. I see. But I think what I said earlier as well, I think it's important to think about lightning also in terms of what can it become? Like, uh, are there fundamental blockers to not let it become the world's payment system? I think that that's important to keep in mind. It's, it's obviously still a lot of work, but uh, for me, it's very important that I know every day that I work on this, I think, okay, this is indeed, this, this can work. It can still work. So we just need to, to build things. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you about learning a little bit about lightning uh, more than I did at the beginning of this podcast. Um, but yeah, thank, thank you, Juice, for coming on and speaking with me. Yeah, yeah. It was nice to talk to you. And uh, I would say if you want to play around with this, another option besides installing like your own Lightning Note and doing everything from scratch, you can also use like any of the uh, of the wallet apps that are that are out there. And they have like various uh, degrees of um, uh, trust required. So you have this, some, some of these wallets, they just basically own your coins, but you can still pay on a Lightning Network. And there's also hybrid forms where you own your own coins. But for example, the whole pathfinding thing that we talked about is... Um, outsourced to a central server, for example. So you still have your coins, but if you want to make a payment, they figure out what the best path is to get to your destination. So it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be that, that complicated. What would some of those wallets be? I guess you, I guess you can, yeah, you can give me like the information at the end of the podcast and we can definitely put it in the show notes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. There are, there are, there are several, several wallets there and overviews as well and reviews. I will pass you some of the links. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thanks to, uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in for this podcast so that we could uh, learn a little bit about more about Lightning uh, Network and all, all its progress it's made for over the past years from Jutes. Thank you. And we are back from that Jaeger bomb. If you're not inspired to go look at the Lightning Network after that, then I don't know what to tell you other than you might have more fun on uniswap.exchange. Oh, no, I'm kidding. That was fucked up. No, Lightning Network's pretty Lightning Network's dope. It's just got some uh yeah, got a little uh, fine tuning. Well, fine some fine tuning. Theoretically, but everything has fine tuning. Let's not let's yeah. not you know, even even and ain't Uniswap nothing has working well fine tuning. Yeah. 100%. We're going to oh, so we're going to drop into a little bit of philosophy here. Before we do that, I, I want to say throw... that I want to say that Jesse's going to sound tremendously better. <laughs> back into this episode because he yeah. was using yeah, yeah. his his webcam microphone for the podcast no. because he no, thought that D told him the blue Yeti. No, 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 no. I remembered garbage. what D told me wrong. D told me this was better, apparently. So I, I was did. remembering wrong. So yeah, I did. Not, tell that's you that not on better. D because we fixed that on the uh, the live that we did the other day where we yeah. were where we gave our audience privy to us being audience members of your wine and talk about ethereum 2.0 thing Corey. Yeah, it was great I think by was, the way i think it was great yeah. i really enjoyed that like i i think all panels just give you four half bottles of wine oh is that what it was it was a half bottle 
Yeah, they gave us four half bottles of wine for a three-hour uh-huh. panel. And then, like, part of the panel, like I say, a third, 25% to a third of the actual panel was, yeah. like, a wine-tasting event. And so, like, people that, like, the people who distributed the wine walked you through tasting it, asked some funny questions, which was actually hilarious because you have, like, a group of people, like, the, like, kind of experts in Ethereum 2 implementations. So you had representatives of all of the different F2 clients. Um discussing the differences between F1 and F2 and trying to like bring people on board. And it's like real nerdy, ultra nerdy, right? It was there. And, it was there. and then you had like a wine tasting and like them like asking the audience or us questions about like, so what do you taste when you drink this Merlot? And we're like, and like someone just goes like <laughs> grapes. Like, grapes. <laughs> <laughs> It was like crickets. And so they're just like, you could tell that they they were professionals. So they'd done it a bunch of times and they're like, okay, cool. So if you tried to do like, you know, yeah. I think I said something and then you got say, owned, bro. Oh no. She did it in the most politically correct way too. So like, yeah, uh, she asked a question. It was about a, uh, fuck, what was it? Oh, it was a Merlot. I don't think and it was you, a Merlot. And you said this Merlot tastes mellow. And then she no. basically was like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Merlots are mellow. Yeah. And then like, well, Jesse like, was like, like, oh shit. I think Corey. I think it might have been shit. a Merlot. And I was like, this isn't a very this isn't very heavy on my on my tongue. And I knew that's what I expected. Just like like what I could tell that she wanted to say, like, yeah, no shit. Merlots aren't heavy. Like, and she's like <laughs> but she did it in like the greatest PC way. And I just started laughing. And then, like, the people, like, we had a back channel discussion going on in the chat, and they're just losing their shit about, like, <laughs> anyway, it was a, it was a fun, we'll link it in Twitter uh, when it comes out. They asked my question. They, they answered my question. That's all I cared about. So we're going to go. Um, a philosophical, right? We're going to get philosophical. I like these kinds of talks. So I went on Matthew Aaron's show a few weeks ago, and um i remember we we were talking we were talking a lot about like what makes the cryptocurrency movement bitcoin all these things so unique and my answer to him was it's not and he was shocked that i would say that bitcoin Jesus, bitcoin podcast host for years now but i'm getting older now and i'm seeing patterns and it's just like oh it's, it's not it's definitely not over half a decade yeah and now I just think that, I mean, I, I, Bitcoin, you told me about it in 2012. I, I dove in in 2013. So now I'm just seeing like, I don't think any of it's different. I, I think a lot of it is very parallel to the way things already are. Like you have these governance tokens. What's the difference between that and owning shares of a company? If you have a majority shareholder. Um, I, we can have this argument. Like. There's there's let's, differences. Let's the I would say the macro scale of like human behavior is the same, but the technology we're using is drastically different. That's the only difference, right? Just All the, stock is just, not created equal. You got classes, right? Yeah. You got classes of stock with voting rights. That's what yeah. the governance tokens can potentially be, but not all of them are. Also, not yeah. all of the governance tokens have dividends that they pay back. You know, what we're, and what we're doing now, I think, which is like really exciting, but like also kind of scary is like all of this is experimentation with new economic models of like how you can run something and vote on something and have incentives behind it. Mm. Like how can, how do you incentivize people to play by the rules you set up in the, in the very beginning? 
And that's, and that's what Bitcoin kind of set up in the first place, right? Like that was the first like real innovation uh, from a social standpoint of what Bitcoin did. It made a set of rules that m like made it so overwhelmingly beneficial to play by that no one, it wasn't, it wasn't worth your time to try and break the system because if you spent that many resources, you might as well just play by the game and make yeah, more money. Yeah, you might as well just play fair. Right? And that's kind of what we're doing here across the board. It's just it's become like this like way larger sandbox grab bag of like what rules can we make? What incentives can we make? And does it work for the community that uses it? And then how much of that stuff can we actually automate away to like machines to do all the like, back end processing so you don't have to trust people? And eventually once we like get the machines who run the stuff more efficient and we figured out what like rules and incentives work really well, we'll end up with like really good governance systems because we're trying all this experimentation now. But like now it's just like a shit show. It is a shit show, but I think it's like, this is the whole point I was trying to make to Matthew is that like, it's our shit show. I think every generation, like, uh, it's more transparent. People want to make their mark on history. And I think that crypto is a very unique combination of enough multidisciplinary theories all baked into one thing, sprinkle in some technology, and now you've got something that a whole generation of people can feel like they own and feel like they're doing something to make their mark on history. But in reality, it's no, I mean, I mean, we're trying to make currency, make money. I mean, money's been around for a long time. Like, that's nothing new. We're just trying to put our own flavor on it. Banks have been around for a long time. That's nothing new. We're just trying to put our own flavor on it. Like all these entities and these, um, all these things that we're trying to, I guess, quote unquote, decentralize or, or make more or democratize or whatever. It's just us trying to make our own mark. It's like the same shit, different day. That's that's what it's starting to feel like anyways. Like, I don't know. I don't I don't see very many differences between what crypto is becoming and what it started as. Like well, right yeah, now, the, because the most of what's that, being made is is a re-implementation of what currently exists. Yeah. That's where it's most like of the money is because it's the well, it's like right now that's the that's the first step in any real innovative process. Well, in a lot of innovative processes is to reinvent the things that already exist that are more like but do it more efficiently and maybe expand across what you're capable of doing. And that's what's comfortable to people. That's what people are going to use because they don't understand the like crazy shit that's going to happen later on down the line. Like the people who are doing like flash loans, arbitrating sales, and then like like who are who are basically making tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars in a single transaction on F because they were able to like hit so many different things based on composability of projects. That type of shit and what it becomes is something that you can't imagine. But it's really easy to wrap your head around like the reinstitution of a bank on a smart contract or like sending money globally on a blockchain because you're no longer confined to jurisdictions. Like that's easy to, to wrap your head around. And that's what gets talked about the most. But like, because people haven't figured out how to harness do build things in an intuitive way that are like actually innovative and change like what we become comfortable with in 10 years.
Mm. We're just remaking shit. And that's the easiest thing yeah. to do. Like if you want to jump in the space and you have domain expertise in the finance world, what are you going to do? You're going to remake the shit you know. Remake your expertise. Yeah. You're going to remake your expertise. I think that's so. the kind of point we're at right now is most people are just like remaking their expertise, making it, trying to make it solid, which is a really hard thing to do. And then when they realize that like, oh, I can't do this because X, Y, and Z don't exist to make this solid, they have to then double back and then make those things exist. If you don't have the infrastructure or like foundation there yet across the board in blockchain to really start seeing like real innovative projects. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Jess? We're changing the world or we're just making it shinier? Hmm. I think I think it's changing the world. Uh but like like if we're talking about the practicality for everybody who actually cares. Like if you're putting liquidity in a pool, those people are not going to be like the people who are at the base layer, base layer who are closest to time zero when it first launched or who have like a large percentage ownership of the pool, which I would bet that a16z has in addition to the governance tokens like they're the ones who are going to be making the money and they can decide to like feed the fees directly back into token holders which of which they will they're basically there are systems where you're contributing to liquidity but you're not going to get the same returns that they're going to end up getting for themselves so that's that's mm -hmm. that's where the rubber meets the road where like mm -hmm. CD5 is going to go or is it's currently at and like you created a decentralized exchange but there was more value in adding a centralized governance token and so that that was done so there's not enough value for people making something completely decentralized people who want money they were they're going to find a way to control it so that they can control value coming out of it Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you build in this space. Like there's this ideal that like, let's build the most decentralized thing. So like it runs automatically. There's no humans to be sued or anything like that. But that, at the end of the day, people want to extract value out of these things. And that's done by ownership. Governance. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I, I don't foresee the people coming into this space from traditional finance making purely decentralized products, I think they're always going to find a way to centralize governance and bake that into it. Or like and make it, like it up. in a weird way seem to be yeah, really open and like yes. permissionless, but in the end, yeah. like all money funnels into a small group of people who profit, reap the benefits. So like you need that idealism that like started this space that's required to build projects that are going to like have the rules and incentives yeah. that I talked about earlier that actually feed into like the people who use it. Like, and, and I think we can all agree traditional finance does not have that ethos. Nope. No. Yeah. And, but that's, what's coming in. You're getting I that. Ethos something like somebody's, coming. somebody's trying to build like an insurance protocol. Yeah. Uh, it's Nexus. Lots of people are. How, how does that mutual is a big so one. I guess oh, if, you're, if your token needs access to insurance, it calls that smart contract 
I don't get how that works. Like, how do, how why do this? you need insurance? How about this? Insurance, I'll look what? into it. I'll look into it. We can have a whole episode on what insurance is like for this space, what it means to have insurance for this space. Maybe we should bring JT on because I know he's building an insurance product. Uh-huh. We should do that because I want to see what that is because I know FDIC. I know how that works, or at least I think I do. Um, but I'd like to see how someone is trying to recreate that on Ether. But I would think that the underlying as uh, like the underlying concept is to offload the risk of the insurance payouts to those liquidity pools and have people take the risk. So they're offloading the risk, but then there's going to, they're going to put a governance token on top of that shit. And they're going to profit from everybody's risk taking by being liquidity providers. Mm. We should probably have a whole episode on just risk. I did an episode on yeah. hashing it out. I just released um, based on process quality audits, which is like, how publicly buttoned up is a company in a project? So basically like how easy is it for you to do due diligence on a specific project? It it says nothing about the quality of the actual project's code base, but like how much did they do to get an audit? Is the audit okay? Did it come from a reputable person? Does their code base have documentation? Did they do their tests? All these types of things you need to do that are indicators of, of good development process. Uh-huh. Um, he does audits on these things, which I think is incredibly important, but like the ability to assess risk in this area is incredibly difficult across the board. And you can't have insurance products that do a good job unless they're able to assess risk. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how it would be interesting, like what the mechanisms of how they're doing risk assessments, like say Nexus mm-hmm. is, cause I remember uh, skimming through the documentation for that project and I think there's like a maximum amount of of um, payout that basically you can be insured up to, and yeah, like the yeah, FDIC. Is it 250k? No, no, no. I'm saying like that's the same premise as the FDIC. Oh yeah, okay, maximum. yeah. But what I'm saying is like we should get somebody like maybe JT might know like actually the the mechanisms for how projects like that like what are they insuring individuals up to or like in entities. It'd be interesting what I'd their risk like, model is. I would, I would argue that because all of this stuff is so much more general and fine-grained, the the, the uh, insurance products that will be offered will be the same. It's going to be very specialized to whatever you're doing over time. Maybe not now. It could be coarse-grained like, like what you're talking about. But over time, there's no reason to believe that insurance products that are going to be offered up are going to be – uh, like so cut and dry. They're going to be, they can be, they have the potential to be incredibly fine grained and custom mm. delivered to what you're doing. True. Like that's the, I think that's one of the larger um, missing required spaces for all of this stuff to take off, especially to have big players come in is like mm. a really good insurance background to all this stuff and i think what's missing from the insurance space is their in, their inability to assess risk so you'll probably see that over the next couple of years they need events to occur right and so far there haven't been the only events that occurred are like the risk of somebody pulling a rug there's the risk of a project being fake there's the risk of a bug in the software there's a risk of like you know what i'm saying like like if you look at auto insurance, they know the events. Hit a person, hit a person on a bike, hit another car on the side, hit a car on the back, hit a car. It's on a the lot front. of data like, they can pull from to come up with like, yeah, good, good like uh, forecasting models. 
Yeah. So there's there's not a lot of events that have occurred in crypto to allow good insurance products to be built. So anyway, um, we could talk about crypto all the time. We're going to wrap it up for you guys because we know you got to get in there and work or work out or finish <laughs> get it, your get bagel. Get in there. Work. Or whatever you're doing. So we're going to wrap. We're going to wrap this one up. Uh, check out Avalanche. Um, pretty sure Mainnet is up and running. And By the time uh, this is aired, project, I would imagine Mainnet is up and running. That project has, it's got some promise. All right, promise. So check it out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't got anything else. Say <laughs> shout out to... Join the Slack. To, yeah, you got anything? Join the Slack. Go to our website, yeah, thebitcoinpodcast.com. Join the Slack. There's a Slack button at the nav bar. It tells you how to get there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of conversation that's uh, way better than this one going on inside. Yeah. We have, oh my goodness, the Patreon. Somebody just ups their pledge. Yeah. Yagi Numa, man. Thanks, Yagi. Yeah. Thanks for making us feel good because because we don't we give you anything we, <laughs> we you're a patron really not only do you give us money but we give you nothing back we we, 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 we make podcasts we, we, we make yeah. podcasts and we will continue to make those podcasts and we'll we'll never we'll probably never stop so like thank you for your money yeah. uh we probably owe everyone at least a bag of flaming hot cheetos uh, <laughs> let's do a casting that's, call that's, right now you want to do a casting, casting call, call. I want to do a casting call right now. What is a casting say, call? Anyone who has or wants to run a Patreon account. Oh, that. Talk, okay. Holler at us. Holler at us. We got some. I got some. You can holler at me. I'm looking at Jesse's face. No, and he's like, no, dude. Info at about. the Bitcoin podcast.com. Yep. Info that's that's where you're going to go. <laughs> and say, I'd like to run the Patreon. And that's how the conversation will start. And I'll talk to you. And I want to know. I want to see. I want to see what you got. Show, Show me, me what, you, what got. you got. All right, wrap it up. All right. Shout out to Zoe Saldana, Michelle Obama, and Zotzi Beats. Uh, play the outro. Mm-hmm.